Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cinema Rogues. My name is Andrew, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Guy. Howdy. Hi. Uh, we are not in person this time. We are over the internet, like usual. Um, to get some housekeeping out of the way, please go listen to me at Board Game Barbarians. Um, it is a board game podcast uh, that I do with Justin. You can find Guy at Sidetail Sidetail Studios on YouTube and on Twitch, and you can also listen to Retro Warriors, our parent podcast, which is also Justin's show. Um, but yeah, what have you been up to, Guy? Um, I don't know, not a lot. Playing games, watching movies, you know, the usual. Um, nice. We've been watching uh, the women's Olympic soccer, the U.S. women's team. How's that uh, going? It's going all right. Uh, they lost in the semifinals. I guess spoiler, but at this point, it's gonna be like two weeks later. So whatever. Um, yeah. They lost in the semifinals, and so they're gonna play in the bronze medal game tomorrow. They lost Thursday. to Canada, right? Yep. How dare they? Blame Canada. <laughs> um. That's I don't know. I have a problem with the Olympics in general. Not not the Olympics themselves, um, but the coverage of the Olympics and and society at large today. Um, yeah. Just because uh, we were talking about a little bit earlier in the Discord, how you can't get through like a regular work day at this point without having all the results for the day spoiled for you. I, I think I can, but that's because I don't pay attention to the Olympics at all. Uh, so, well, I mean, like. I wasn't, I turned off like the alerts on my like Yahoo sports app, right. Mm-hmm. To make sure that I didn't get it. And then like on Thursday at like three 30, Apple news is like, Oh, see, see how the uh, women, U S women feel after losing zero to one to Canada, like in the headline that it put, like pops on my watch real quick. So I've read like half the headline before my brains processed what I'm reading. Well, that's your fault for having any technology whatsoever on your person. Right. Yeah. Like, thanks. God damn it. But yeah. Um, (laughs) so generally speaking, I've been watching, uh, Olympic coverage because it's, it's interesting to me. I like sports and it's, it's a time to watch sports that you generally don't see. You like sports and you don't care who knows. That's right. It's my secret shame, I guess. (laughs) Uh, we watched, uh, Dating through a wall. I forgot what the name of the actual show is. Um, I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. So. Oh, love at first sight. Okay. It's a show on Netflix. Uh, where we watched season one like right at the beginning of the pandemic, like right during lockdown. In fact, no, right before lockdown, we watched it. We were watching some of it like during Mardi Gras last year. Okay. Um, and basically, it's a show where these people like through the course of the first like two weeks of the show um, are, are dating each other and all they can see is like, uh, well, they they have like meetings in these pods, these date po- quote unquote date pods. And um, the, the pods are there. The rooms that they're in are separated by a wall where you can see like the shadow of the person. But, but basically the, the premise of the show is they have to get to know each other without seeing each other. And then, you know, uh, propose to one of the other people. So it's like eight guys and eight girls. And, and, you know, eventually they all propose to one another or whatnot. 
Um, and then they get married like immediately after, like it, once they propose, they can see each other and they get married. Like it's, it's a done deal. And then the show follows, you know, what happens over the next few weeks while they send them on their honeymoon. And, you know, they ask him after like 30 days, do you still want to stay married or whatever? Or do you want to get divorced? I, I hate those shows <laughs> because no matter what, they're all attractive people. Yeah. Like every single one, like there's a new one on Netflix where they wear like, they do like full on makeup, like animal masks, but they show all these people without the animal masks in the trailer and they're all like fucking gorgeous people. So I'm like, who, who cares? Like there's not a single person that looks average or normal. Like they're all just very gorgeous people. So what's the point of the show when everyone knows even though they're wearing shitty like animal masks that they're not going to put like a normal looking person on this show. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, I don't know. So, uh, we, we started watching or we watched that show like last year and they've just released a new episode. That's like one year later. Where's everybody at? Um, Mm -hmm. and I watched like part of it, like I was going in and out of it while I was doing other things. And it's the most like drama llama thing I've ever seen. It was fantastic. (laughs) <laughs> um, finished the last episodes of the flash and Superman and Lois. They broadcast those like a month ago. I finally watched those. Um, nice. and then watched the masters of the universe revelation. I started the first episode and did not finish that. Oh yeah. I just don't, I don't know what it is, man. Like, uh, most animated shows, like I can't, I can't do anymore. Hmm. Like for whatever reason, like I can still do Venture Brothers, I can still do Rick and Morty, I can do like a couple other animated shows, but most like newer animated shows, including anime, like I just can't do for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe it's just not your aesthetic anymore, man. I guess so. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I got like halfway through it and I was like, this is okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah well i mean like the it's like the first half of the first season so it's only like five episodes I and so. like really i watched it because justin was like yeah i watched it and it was okay i was like all right well i guess i'll check it out why not i enjoyed he-man when i was a kid i mean that's and what then, i tried to do too because justin was like yeah it was good and then like i kept seeing like all these youtube like videos of like Oh, how Kevin Smith ruined Masters of the Universe or like Masters of the Universe, a disaster, you know, like yeah. shit like that. It's like, I, I think, and I'm sure it's just part of like the, you know, the YouTube, YouTube algorithm and what gets hits. But like, it seems like everything these days is just like shitting on everything that comes out, no matter like if it's okay or if it's good or if it's bad, it's, I get recommended yeah. like a million fucking videos of, oh my God, this is a disaster. Well, from what D- Justin told me, like a bunch of people, like a bunch of namesake characters die in that show, like permanently. So, like I and I can under I can semi understand the like ruin the show. Like I can I can kind of understand that. Yeah, I don't know. I I think I think uh, like Kevin Smith put out like a statement about it because uh, you know I guess not like a statement, but the, you know he's doing an interview and kind of went off on people who are like this isn't the he-man that i expected and he's like i I don't know what you want we're telling more stories just because it's not focused you know there's more than just he-man in this universe and we're playing with other characters yeah but i could see the same thing if there was like a new superman animated series and superman dies in the first episode like (laughs) (laughs) i could see people being upset 
<laughs> um, I guess I guess we'll get into what I I actually wrote down what I watched this time. Nice. It had been such a problem the last several times. Uh, I rewatched uh, Luca and Tomorrow War because my wife hadn't seen them, and so I wanted to I wanted her to experience them. Did you change your opinion about either one of them? Nope, there's still the same opinion. But all right, uh, yeah. Uh, I watched Space Jam Two. Electric oh, Boogaloo. What a what a movie. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't watched it yet. My kid, uh, my my youngest kid, says if he watches it again with us, it'll be his uh, sixth time to watch it. And then he's Holy like, "Do you want to watch it?" Holy crap! I I. It's basically. It's basically Space Jam 1, only newer. Like, they didn't really change much. And at one point, my wife goes, why is this called Space Jam 2? There's no space. And I was like, it's cyberspace. And she was like, I hate you so much. <laughs> awesome. Because <laughs> it doesn't take place in space. Like, there's no space part of it. It's, it's, it takes place in a computer. So... <laughs> Uh, I watched. I went and saw the Green Knight. Uh, what a oh, yeah, fan! What what a fantastic movie! That's uh, Dev Patel, right? Yep, yep. What a great movie that was! Uh, if you like just amazing cinematography, uh, I can't recommend it enough. It's a very slow movie, but uh, it's a slow burn, but a good burn. Like it's pretty, like it's enjoyable the entire time because it's good. It's nice to look at. Um, I also watched No Sudden Move, which was supposed to be the episode for this time, which is not. Uh, for anyone listening, we're we're gonna do Gunpowder Milkshake. Uh, we said we would do either No Sudden Move or Gunpowder Milkshake, and we chose Gunpowder Milkshake because I watched No Sudden Move and it made me want to throw up. Uh, because of the camera lens that they use, does not work well with your home TV. Um, otherwise the movie was fine. Like it was acted very well. Um, there were some instances where both me and my wife were like, I couldn't tell where they wanted to go with the story. And I guess I figured it out at the end, mm-hmm. but it was kind of convoluted in the middle. Um, so it was a little bit, it was a little bit hard to follow. Uh, and then I watched, uh, all of the fear streets on Netflix one, two, and three. Um, what, uh, year did that first one of those come out? Which one? Fear Street? Yeah. They all came out this year. Oh, oh, okay. Then yeah, I have no they, idea what that is. What is that? They all came out at the same time. It's a, Fear Street is an R.L. Stein uh, young adult book series. Um, and they did a movie of all three of the books, I assume. Um, oh, so you watched Goosebumps with Jack Black? That's what you're telling me? Uh, there's no Jack Black, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah. But uh no it's it's like it's supposed to be like scarier goosebumps basically. Oh okay. Um and it was uh, it was okay. It was fine. It was I I don't regret watching them. Uh I don't think I'll watch them ever again, but I don't regret watching them. They were fine. Like they were they were fine scary movies. I think they could have been more scary, but I think they were more like thriller than they were scary. Cool. Know, it's probably like a terrible review. <laughs> they were okay. I don't regret my decision. 
Yeah, well, I guess the question is, what does it take for you to regret your decision to watch a movie? Being terrible, I guess. <laughs> they're only like an hour and a half long each. So yeah. they're more like, it's more like extended like episodes, basically. Uh, and they were, I don't know, it's hard. For, they weren't great. <laughs> I'm not going to say that they were like amazing or anything, but they weren't terrible. Like I had fun watching them. Um, so I guess that's all, all there needs to be. Um, I guess we'll get into news. What, uh, you've got, you got one piece of news here. I do. Uh, Scarlett Johansson has sued Disney, uh, over the streaming of, of Black Widow and, and the oh, revenue that, that she's not getting. Oh my God. Yeah. Imagine that. So, um, you know, and this would be really be a non-story, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, if, if Disney had handled this, like any kind of, uh, normal person, I guess, I don't know. I guess Disney's not a person, but, uh, like long story short, the, rev- uh, the Scarlett Johansson's deal on, on, uh, black widow had, had, uh, was, had a tie into the, the box office numbers. Right. Yeah. And then, and then black widow got delayed because coronavirus, and then they released it simultaneously on Disney plus, uh, premiere access. And so far on Disney Plus, it's uh, gotten a reported sixty million dollars in revenue, and so Scarlett Johansson is su- suing Disney, saying, "Hey, I should get a cut of that, you know, per my deal." Um, it, it's it's unfair that you have you know uh, released this thing in, in this dual capacity, and you're excluding you know my profits from from what you know what that is. Right. Her contract stated that she would get a extended bonus from the theatrical release, not the streaming release for anyone right. that's wondering. Uh, Emma Stone is also looking at a lawsuit as well at this point for Cruella. Yeah, there's been a couple. Like It's kind of opened the floodgates. Um, uh, Gerard Butler is suing for Olympus Has Fallen, I believe. Yeah, um, I saw that. I guarantee you uh, all of this shit's going to be taken care of outside of courts. Yeah, absolutely. And it's you know, it's one of those things, like I said, it would it'd probably be a non-story. It would just be people working out, you know, like rich people working out how they're going to get paid. Um, and it's, you know, it, there's, there's a fair and equitable way to do it. And, and, and I'm sure that's what they'll come to. The only reason that it's news to me at this point is is because Disney let, put out a statement that basically said that there's no merit to the lawsuit. And frankly, it's kind of, uh, I don't think they said frankly, uh, and I don't have it written down, but I'm paraphrasing. They basically said, how dare you? Uh, COVID-19 is happening. This is the situation we're in. Like, how? Yeah. How, how, how dare you, you be so callous towards, you know, COVID-19? Yeah. Which has nothing to do with the, you know, how how she's getting paid. And I just, uh, fucking, and Disney's pissing me off lately. Um, but yeah, anyway. So that, that's that story. Uh, in other Disney move, n- news, the person that pitched the Marvel What If television show uh, had Endgame, Thor, Love and Thunder, and Guardians of the Galaxy 3 ruined for them when they pitched the plots to those movies for their show. Which I thought was pretty funny. So, the person who... so there, So, you know the show What If, right? Yes. It's like, what if this happened in the Marvel Universe? Right, well, they they're going to pitched... have like... Uh... Captain British Peggy or whatever her name is. Yeah, yeah. Peggy. 
Yeah, I can't remember. Also, I, I remember yeah, until, remember you, her until you said Captain Br- Peggy British, and I was like, "Nope, that's gone yeah, yeah, yeah. from my memory." But like um, Pe- Peggy, Carter Peggy, Peggy Carter as, as, yeah. as the British Captain America instead they of Steve that, Rogers they have, as regular. They have Captain zombies. America. They have a bunch of other stuff. But apparently, during the pitch process for like, what about an episode where this happens? But it was the plot to Endgame, <laughs> or they were like, "What about a plot where this happens?" And it was the plot to Thor and Thunder, or Thor: Love and Thunder. Or what about a plot where Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and they were like, no, we can't do that for the show because it's already in development for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So they basically pitched the plot to three different movies and Disney had to go, we're already in development with those plots. They already exist. Well, I guess great minds think alike. I don't know. I, I guess I just thought it was funny that they basically, it, it's technically for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, it was half of the plot was ruined. Yeah, but it's still kind of funny that that Disney had to go. We can't do that, and they had to go. Why? And they went because we're already making it. <laughs> uh, Clerks three has started production. Let's hope it's better than Jane Silent Bob reboot. Because I mean Jesus that's a low Christ. bar. I think it is a low bar, but they also hit that low bar whenever they made the Jane Silent Bob reboot. I mean, fair enough. Uh, I mean, I, ty- I, I like that movie more than you did, but. I guess so. It was not a great movie. I don't. I don't know. It was not. I wouldn't watch it again. <laughs> uh, Taika Waititi is directing a live-action Flash Gordon movie. It was apparently going to be a uh, uh, animated movie, and then now it's just been they switched it. Like they said, they're doing live action instead of animated. So that's cool. I you like think Taika have Waititi. The old Flash Gordon theme. I think they'll have the old Flash Gordon, uh, if he's still alive, in the movie at some point. Oh, that'd be great. I'm pretty sure they'll do like a cameo if he's still alive. I don't know why they wouldn't. I can't imagine it's a super serious movie. It's got Taika Waititi helming it. I mean, true. I love that guy. I do, too. All right, I guess uh, we'll get into the topic at hand, Gunpowder Milkshake. Uh, synopsis here after killing the son of a mob boss when a job goes wrong sam must protect herself and a little girl while running from the firm a global company that controls the world who has given her location to the mob boss uh release information it was released on netflix in the u.s july 14th 2021 uh, as far as development goes i couldn't find like anything besides like the actors taking roles so I couldn't I couldn't really find like any like development information about the script writing process or the development of the movie process. So it must have been pretty pretty boring, I guess. Uh, notable people, I forgot to look up how to pronounce his name. So uh, Navit Papashado is the director and the writer, along with Uid Lovisky. The leads is Karen Gillian as Sam. And Chloe Coleman as Emily, the little girl. You got Lena Headley as Scarlett, Sam's mom. Paul Giamatti as Nathan. Carla Gigino as Madeline. Ralph Andesian as Jim McAllister. Believe he was the mob boss. Angela Bassett as Anna May. And Michelle Yeoh as Florence. Uh, There are no awards or nominations because the movie just came out. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has a 63 critic score and a 51 audience score. Metacritic has a 48 meta score and a 3.9 user score. 
and IMDb has a 6.0 out of 10. So not uh, not looking great. What did what did you think? Spoiler re- re- spoiler free review here. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, you know, I I uh, I can see why people wouldn't enjoy it. I can see uh, why somebody somebody might think it was derivative. I could see why somebody thought it might think it was boring um, or, you know, uh, things along that line or, or maybe they're just not into it. But for me, it's, it struck a chord and I, I enjoyed it and I was, uh, you know, happily engaged with it the entire time. Uh, you know, it was kind of witty. There were, there were a lot of humorous moments to me or, you know, moments that I laughed out loud. Um, there was a lot of action, uh, a lot of blood. <laughs> Uh, some of my favorite scenes are, are just the fight scenes and how ridiculous over the top they are. Um, you know, all the, all the bad guys were, were white dudes and almost all the protagonists were women and, and the cast of women was diverse, which was a direct contrast. And I have to assume was a purposeful choice, um, yep. you know, from, from the, from the antagonists. In as fact, the, all, as all antagonists should be white dudes as the world works. Right. <laughs> Um, you know, and so I don't know, I, it, it was enjoyable to me from, from that sort of meta perspective. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I mean, I agree. I think I liked the action. I liked the comedy of the movie, but I did feel like the movie was trying really hard to be like a John Wick style action movie, but didn't really put any character development into the, into, to back it up. Like there was some character development at the beginning, whenever you had the, uh, the diner scene. Um, and most of the characters felt one dimensional except for the child, Emily. Um, it may have been a directing choice, but n- not one that I super cared for. I was hoping for like woman empowerment movie and got something sort of like that, but didn't really live up to it as much as I was expecting, I guess. Um, but I thought it was a good action flick that. As long as you're not looking for anything super deep, uh, it still is enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, along that that John Wick line, there were a lot of, uh, I guess, close quarters fights with improvised weapons. um, And and I thought that was really, really fun. But I can see why, uh, you know, like I said, why somebody would think that maybe it was kind of derivative. Yeah. Uh, What do you what do you think? Should we watch it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would check it out. It's uh, again, uh, like you said, it, it's kind of just a po- uh, fun popcorn movie. Um, you know, if you're looking for some sort of, uh, deep experience, you're, you're not going to get it with this movie, but it's got a, it's got a workable plot. It's got, you know, great cinematography and, uh, you know, it's, it's worth a check at least. And great. I mean, as I put in the spoiler section, which I don't know why, it's got great music. Like the music is spot on. Like, oh I will yeah, say that I will say that about this movie. Like the musical choices that they make are great. Like just great music. Um, but I'll say if you like action movies, um, for the sake of action or just in general, then I would say watch the movie. If you're expecting something more like plot wise. Uh, then I would I would skip it unless you're just wanting something fun like it's it's a fun movie. Um, I guess we'll get into spoilers. Spoiler zone. Spoiler zone. Let's do it. Let's do it. What do you want to What do you want to talk about first? Um, I guess uh, speaking of cinematography, let's talk about the color in the film. 
um, all the color in the in the movie, like the movie itself, is really has a really dark palette. Like it all takes place at night, more or less. Um, so the colors the colors are super saturated, uh, so they pop out uh, a lot. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of neon and a lot of uh, like the the one of the things that 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 pops out to me was like in the in the the bowling the bowling alley fight right mm-hmm. you had that like rainbow wall that really obscured a lot of the the foreground like color and lighting because it was just so prominent in the background um, yeah you know and I thought that that lent a really neat color palette to that entire scene um, and then the the librarians the the other place where I really noticed the color was with the librarians and how they each went to their sort of own section of the library and when they were in their own section that section matched the color of the suits that they had been wearing the entire movie and the the color palette in that room like uh not only did 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 it match like you know uh, the i suppose there were various shades of of the primary color that they were using um but also there was a, a, a sort of filter on, on the, the lens itself. It felt like that was, that was adding more color to it. Yeah. I hadn't noticed that. That's interesting. So I don't know. It's, it was just, it, it was neat to see them, you know, kind of go with, with motifs and, and really stick with them um, in, in various ways. You know, I think uh, you have down here about the, the book and library motif, right? Yeah, there was definitely a lot of motifs that they went through in this movie. Um, I thought it, like he's like you were talking about, the interesting thing about the Booker Library motif, which is uh, the library was where they kind of, I guess, the lady assassin group, their home base was, and every book in the library appeared to have some sort of weapon in it, um, which I thought was really interesting, especially thinking about, like, what if just some rando comes into your library and starts looking through your books? Right. He doesn't go to the desk. He just starts browsing books. Yeah. <laughs> like what a terrible situation that would be. But I thought it was interesting that, that like the books, you know, having their own weight to them based on the information within the book um, on top of having whatever weapon or instrument is inside of the book was an interesting thought. Yeah, I thought it was. I was. I kind of. I thought it was neat how it was done. Like, um, one, there were just so many like, uh, sort of literary references or puns that you know that they threw out there, yeah. um, which I thought was really fun. And then you know they never overly explain them either. I guess. So yeah, they don't like shove it in your face or anything. They kind of try to leave it. I guess that's one of the like the good parts about this movie is they kind of leave it up to your, um, your discretion or your involvement in those books in general. Right? Yeah. They they give you they they throw out the 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 joke or the reference or whatnot, and they just uh, trust you as an audience to either get it or make up your own headcanon as to, to what that specific thing is referencing for, uh, and like why that title is not only apt to the situation that's going on, but also the weapon inside it, you know, has some sort of reference to the title or, or not, you know? Right. I really like Uh, that. I did too. Uh, you've got Karen Gillian here. Uh, yeah. 
Well, Karen Killen, action star, right? Like, yeah. Um, so like I first ran into Karen Gillan probably where a lot of people first ran into her in, in Doctor Who. Right. Uh, she was the, the original companion for the 11th Doctor, Matt Smith. Yep. And, um, you know, during her time on Doctor Who, she was more or less a, a girl in distress the whole time, right? And, and like, kind of smitten I mean, with would, the Doctor... I would say a girl in distress with power. She was definitely more, uh, had more power about her than Rory did. I guess like she was, she was assertive, um, you know, and and she was, uh, she was, but she didn't seem like, uh, she had any super actiony bits in there. You know, she was always right. sort of stumbling around or whatnot, except I guess the one episode where she was like left alone for a hundred years or whatnot. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, it, it's, it's, and then after that, she went to uh, that show. I forget what it's called, um, but it was with John Cho. Um, mm-hmm. It was a take on some spoiled uh, on on my fair lady it was like a modern day take on my fair lady kind of thing um and then she went and played nebula and like it's it's nice it's neat to see her sort of take carve out this sort of action star path you know like she got a taste of it with nebula and now she's like no this is kind of what i want to do it seems like fun and so it's it's neat seeing the ep- the evolution of her as an a- as an actor i mean i would say like she did nebula and then she really came together as like an action star in the Jumanji movies. Oh yeah. 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 And then she came to this where she's a full on, like that's all she is, is just an action star in this movie. Um, but I feel like she kind of carved out the action star portion of it in Jumanji because that's what she, like, she's just a kick-ass lady in that movie. Like that's what she is. Yeah. It's pretty good. And you know, and, um, you you run into a pro- this problem a lot with sort of I guess uh, model looking women. I don't know how to how to describe this, but like mm-hmm. the 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 sort of like under undersized person who can still like throw a hard punch, right? Right. But I think in this movie, the way that they had the improvised weapons and you know the 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 particular weapons that they chose, like the suitcase that she was using or the bowling balls or, you know, whatever really lent to her frame being able to do the things that she was doing. I mean, I'll say this in all of the problems that I have with this movie, um, her, her being believable as an action star in the things that she did was not one of them. Yeah. I did not have any problems with her. It was very believable her doing the things that she did in this movie. If that makes sense. No, that makes absolute sense. That's, that's kind of, uh, that's what I was trying to say. You put it way, but way more succinctly than I could have. Yeah. Like she Uh-oh. is all of the action, all the actiony stuff that she did, all of the fighting she did, um, was very believable in this movie. Yeah. You know, and, um, <laughs> speaking of like the things that they gave her to do, like the, the, the fight where she had like dead arms. Yeah. That was funny. That was funny. That bit. was hilarious. Like I don't. She just used her momentum. I, I like. I don't understand how she squeezed a trigger, but whatever. You know. Like I, yeah. I'm giving like some of that a pass, right? 
suspension of disbelief section yeah um you know there was that there was there was like i don't understand why like the the doc the doctor who injected her was like yeah after 60 seconds she'll be a sitting duck which seems to imply that it'll take 60 seconds for it to take effect did you just say the doctor who Ah, ah. <laughs> but her arms were like dead immediately so i don't understand why there was like this 60 second count yeah i don't understand either because it's not like she got it back after 60 seconds or anything like that which is kind of what it implies when he screamed 60 seconds you would think that she would get her faculties back after 60 seconds but that didn't happen yeah that was that was kind of the weird part of that but then <laughs> But then when she comes sliding out of the chair and just like like randomly accidentally stabbing people and stuff, oh my god! Yeah, that section of the movie was pretty brutal. <laughs> I do want to say like whenever she first gets Emily, the little girl, mm-hmm. um, and the the people in the monster movie masks, which I liked, were running away. I did like that she staked the guy that played Dracula in the heart. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty kill, funny to kill him. Uh, that was that was pretty good. Um, what did you, what did you have on Paul Giamatti there? Um, just, I like Paul Giamatti. Um, I, I was rooting for him not to die per se. Cause he seemed to like, his character seemed to care about, you know, Sam and her mom and, and the librarians in general. Um, you know, and it, he seemed to regret having to do what, you know, he was told to do or whatnot. I mean, Yeah. At the same time, I was upset at the end of the movie whenever they're like, just tell the firm to leave us alone and everything will be fine. And I was like, no, I think you should kill all the very powerful white men that are controlling the world. I think that would be great. You should just murder all of them. You have the ability. That would be a great end of the movie, but I guess you couldn't have a sequel at that point. Right. You got to have gunpowder milkshake too. I guess so. I just wanted them to like end it, ended the first movie and just be like, yeah, we're done with this. <laughs> you know, I like, it's funny too. I think at this, at this juncture, if a movie did that where, you know, it's, uh, it wraps up all its loose ends and it says, no, we're, we're just going to be a movie. That's almost a, a, a risk. It, at the very least, it's an outlier today. It's great. I think it would be great. Yeah, I would I would I would like it immensely. And if they pull a sequel out of it because of their own ingenuity and intelligence and uh, creativity, then you know, more power to them. Like but I I think it's great if they try to wrap things up perfectly within the first movie. That'd be awesome. Uh what do you mean by the Ammo Burns talk? Okay, so in the scene where um uh, what's her face? Uh, Margaret, Madeline. I have oh, no. it. I have it up here. Um, uh, Madeline. Yeah, Madeline. Madeline is like has like the minigun in the van, and she's like mowing through people. Which first yeah. off, that dude should be dead. I don't know how she missed that guy. Yeah. Um. Second, where did he go? No idea. S- speaking of that fight, like. He, they had to like fight their way through the library down into the basement of the library, I guess, to get to this van. And maybe there's an exit, and that's why there's a van there, I guess. But it just, it seemed weird to me that he had, they had to go through all that trouble to get there, and then he just kind of disappears after he right. abducts Emily. Yeah, I don't know where he would have gone for that. I, I just kind of bought into it. <laughs> 
but but what what I mean by the ammo ammo burns is like she's got that minigun and there's a shot of like all these like shells like raining down on Emily and yeah I mean those aren't like cold you know they're super cooling ammo uh, oh rounds. oh is that is it, it's cold explosions yeah they 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 get cold real quick it's a chemical reaction <laughs> <laughs> they got a special cooling agent like chemical in it yeah, yeah. so it just you know, it seemed like, um, you know, that's not a safe place for a child. Um, like granted nowhere in that library at that point is a safe place for that child. But, uh, to explicitly show ammo, like raining down, like in front of her, it seems like maybe, maybe she should have got burned a few hundred times. (laughs) I, um, speaking of that end scene, I had a problem with them not swearing in front of a child. (laughs) because <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a weird rule the whole end of the movie they're like they're like saying swear words and like oh there's a child present and then they just start murdering people in front of her and i'm like i feel like the swearing is better than murdering people in front of a child like psychologically speaking i'd rather swear in front of a child than murder someone in front of a child but that that's just me i guess well, I guess, but I I think that also goes to I would rather just I would rather swear than murder anybody. Period. That's what Regardless I'm saying. Regardless of like, the involvement of a child. Yeah, I guess in general. But I'm just saying, if there's a child present and I choose one of the two, I would swear in front of the child than murder someone in front of the child. <laughs> uh, if I had to choose. Um, I don't know. That was just kind of weird. I I felt like it detracted from the movie. Them like I I didn't really find it like cute or funny. I just felt like it was dumb. Um, but that might have just been me. Um, I feel like a lot of the action sequences were very uh, obviously telegraphed as like filmed at a different speed than what than what we were presented with. So it was obviously filmed at like a slower speed and then sped up. You can definitely tell it in the uh, in the bowling action sequence. I, I, I hadn't noticed, and but that might be a thing that like once you sort of notice it, once you notice it everywhere, kind of thing. And so yeah. you know, it's it's not really in my you know head as a thing to watch out for. I mean, I picked it up in the in the bowling. It was most prevalent in the bowling scene whenever she's fighting those guys there. Is it it kind of like pretends to be this um, normal normal speed, I guess. But you can definitely tell that it's like sped up from a different. Like they they recorded it like an, at a normal speed and then sped it up, um, and that kind of took me out of that scene a little bit. Um. I don't know. I just, I guess another thing, like just the writing in general, the dialogue was, was poorly written. Um, my wife kept pointing out the one dimensional characters, um, and possibly being a director choice that all the characters felt really stiff. If you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I can see that. There wasn't a whole lot of, uh, like they just basically played the same part the entire time and the only person that didn't play the same part and kind of had their own like multi-dimensional facets to them was 
Emily, the child. And that may just be uh, she couldn't take directions. Like, she just acted the way that she acted, and it happened to be multidimensional. Yeah. Um, well, or I, I was going to say, I don't know that, or I don't understand why Sam didn't, you know, when, when I, I understand why she was hemming and hawing over, you know, telling Emily that, that she killed her dad or whatever. Like I, right. I get, I get that from a, from a, from a story perspective, but what I don't get is why she didn't say, I didn't mean to kill your dad. Like it was clearly an accident, like when it was happening. Right. And so I, you know, it seems like maybe that would be an important piece of dialogue for her to say to Emily at some point in the movie. And I think that's again, like writing choices, just bad dialogue choices. Um, I thought it was weird. Her face scar from the very beginning of the movie, when she gets her face cut, yeah. there are scenes where she has a scar and then scenes where she doesn't. And that's more of like a inconsistency with makeup more than anything. But it, it's still like kind of took me out of it a little bit where I was like, well, in the last scene she had the scar and then now she suddenly doesn't. And I don't understand what's happening. And then the rest of the movie, the scar is gone. Like they just forgot it. So like, well, maybe it like fell off, you know, during production and they didn't, you know, want to glue it back or something. Maybe I don't. <laughs> it fell off. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. It's um. Those those kind of consistency things bother me. You know, and, and and you know maybe it was a choice just from the standpoint of um there weren't a whole lot of close ups, and then when they were you know setting up the shots for the close ups, they they just kind of you know either forgot about it or weren't paying attention or whatnot. Yeah. Maybe. I also, like, just didn't care when people died in this movie. Yeah, well, so I mean... So when, when Madeline a... died, like, there wasn't really any character development to make me care about her. Yeah, I mean, she's the only one, a person that I feel like died in the movie that you were supposed to care about. But even then, like, you see her once before she shows up again, and that was just her going like, oh, you're so-and-so's daughter. daughter. Like, we knew her. Mm. That's yeah. about... Although- Having said that, I would be down for like a librarian movie from when they were, you know, younger. Uh, yeah, that'd you know, be from cool. Fifteen years I'd, ago or whatever. They should have done that beforehand. <laughs> they should have made. I mean, nobody is going to buy into this movie more than they would buy into a prequel before this happened um, movie. Like, they could have come out with a kick-ass lady assassins librarian movie before Gunpowder Milkshake. And everyone would have watched it the same amount that they watched Gunpowder Milkshake. Like, they should have done that beforehand to build the characters up so that way we cared about the death in Gunpowder I don't know. Yeah, well, and it wasn't until, like, the the very, I suppose, last scene or or the, the lead-up to, you know, that, that last uh, fight in the library uh, where I understood that... Lena Headey's character, Sam's mom, was a, a librarian too, you know. Or when she, uh, it was when when Madeline was dying, and she was like, "It, it was, it's nice to have, uh, you know, kids in the library again." I was like, oh. "Oh, she was a librarian, and the librarians as a whole are the assassins for the firm." Oh, I assumed that from the moment she showed up at the librarians with her bag. 
Yeah, no, not at all. I didn't, I didn't get that, you know, at that point. Um, cause I guess you know, I was in a headspace where, you know, they were just ra- sort of random or, or not, not necessarily random, but you know, go to contract killers that they hired and, and they didn't have like an official affiliation or, or anything like that. But it, you know, it does, the library does speak to a larger structure and network um, that the firm called upon. Uh, and, yeah. I, and I would like to see that explored a lot more. Yeah, it'd be nice if they did. Hopefully this makes enough traction to make more. Like, I, I would be fine with more movies about it. Um, I did find it very cliche that at the end they drive into the sunset. <laughs> like, literally? Literally, they're, like, driving into the sunset. Like, I thought that was, uh, I mean, I guess it, it, it works with the musical motifs that they had for, um, they had a lot of Western style, like, spaghetti Western style music cues throughout this entire movie. And so I guess it works with that, but it also just felt kind of weird. Um... And over the top, <laughs> like just in general. But yeah, I mean that's about that's about all I have to say about that for for my stuff. All right, thanks, Forrest. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I again, I I I thought it was a generally enjoyable movie, and you know, I think I think it's worth checking out if if you want to watch an action movie or like, hey, well, you know. What's a what's a new action movie that I haven't seen? Yeah, here's one. Right, I'm I'm just warning you. It's not for anyone listening that's looking for like the next Die Hard. Uh, it's it's not something that I feel like is gonna enter your regular rotation, but it's definitely something that's worth watching. If that makes sense, makes sense to me. Cool. Well, you can watch this movie on Netflix. And, Guy, what are we reviewing next? The Suicide Squad. The old one? No, the new one. Oh, boy. Uh, it comes out in, like, three days on HBO Max and theaters. So I'm looking forward to it. I might go see it both. Oh, yeah? Really? I might, go, I might watch it in theaters and then watch it on HBO Max again. I'm thinking awesome. about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. it. I mean, it's a James Gunn movie, so I I have to assume it's going to be better than the last one. I also assume that. I also have read a bunch of stuff, which I guess we'll talk about hopefully on the episode, about um, the previous director has come out on Twitter and a couple other places to say that the movie that came out was not his vision and was the studio's vision of the movie and his director's cut is like three plus hours long. I mean, I'd watch it. So I like, I, I don't know. I would I, too. Like if they, if HBO max is like the, I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, but if they're like the, his ver- director's cut of the movie, like they did the Snyder's cut, like I'd watch his cut of, of uh, suicide squad. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think, uh, it seems like Warner brothers did a lot of interfering in, in a lot of their movies. And, and, uh, you know, I think there was a report about, um, one of the studio notes that they got while filming, uh, man of steel was that, uh, they didn't want him to, uh, they didn't want Superman to like blow up his ship or whatever, because how was he going to get back to Krypton? 
That's dumb. Warner Brothers can eat a bag of dicks for all I care. <laughs> like, they can stop interfering with people that actually care about the source material that they're working with. Yeah. Like, geez. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's what we're doing. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. Uh, well, thank you everyone for listening, and I hope you tune in next time for Suicide Squad, and we will see you later. Good night. Bye.